Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3, verse 1. This morning I want to speak about a subject, and that subject is gaining a godly confidence. Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, gaining a godly confidence. Gaining a godly confidence. And this morning, you haven't heard me speak for a few weeks. Maybe you've forgotten how I speak, but maybe you haven't. I'm just going to give you a whole bunch of goodness from the God's Word. And I just pray that God would speak to your heart. And I would encourage you, if you don't write notes in church, to maybe, as we're entering into 2019, maybe start writing some notes. The reason for that is because when you write something down, you remember it better than if you just hear it. There's a reason why you write shopping lists before you go shopping. Why? Because it helps you remember. We also just want to welcome those who are listening online at Celebration Church, you. We welcome you. You're part of our church family today in Jesus' name. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says this. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than all the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, this is Eve, Did God really say you could not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the garden of uh, the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realised that they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, so I ate. This morning, speaking about the subject of gaining a godly confidence, I want to just straight away highlight the fact that from the very beginning, Till today, the enemy's plan has always been the same. What is his plan? How does he come and try and destroy Christians in the church? Well, what he does is he comes in and he questions what God has said and who you are in God. This is from the beginning of time through till today. The greatest challenge that the enemy brings against us is actually questioning who you are and what God said. You see, there's power in knowing who you are. 
And so the enemy comes along and he starts to whisper and he says to Eve, hey, listen, it's all great and this garden's great and the fruit's all good and, and basically, but what about you gaining some more wisdom? Maybe you don't have enough wisdom, even though you're perfect. Now I'm paraphrasing that, but basically, this is what's happening. He's questioning or putting questions in the mind of Adam and Eve. God had already created this garden and this creation where there was no sin. You've got to think about this with me. They're basically living in heaven on earth. You can't get better than that. You can't get better and more blessed than living in a place where there is no sin, no suffering, no pain, no fear, no doubt, nothing that's going to come and destroy. This was a safe place. This was heaven on earth pretty much. But even in the midst of a perfect place, the enemy still came in and whispered the lie. Hey, maybe you will be even more like God. Remember, they were already created in God's image. They were already created in His image. Maybe your eyes will be opened. Well, they walk with God every day. Their eyes were already opened. You see, the enemy comes in and he's slimy. He's slimy. And he takes a truth and he twists it. And so it sounds good, but it's really not. And in your life and in my life today, I want to just encourage you that God wants us to be confident people in Him, but it comes by knowing who we are and what we bring. We have to understand that the enemy is cunning in this. He is unrelenting in this. He will come at you time and time again. He will use different things to try and question the God in your heart. Different people, different situations. He will cause to come into your life. But we have to understand something this morning, church, and that's this, is that there is power in agreement. You know that who you agree with today determines who you become tomorrow. What you agree with today determines who you become tomorrow. If we agree with our circumstance or if we agree with the voices that are negative or if we agree with things that aren't truth, then the fruit becomes things in our life that aren't of God. We must remember that there is power in agreement. Proverbs, sorry, Matthew 18 verse 19, it's Jesus speaking and he says, if you're writing notes, write this down. It says, again, I say to you, if two of you on earth agree about anything, it will be done by my Father in heaven. There is power in agreement. What we agree with today determines who we become tomorrow. Let that sink into your spirit. Let me reword that. <laughs> who you are today is a fruit of who you agree with yesterday. Who you are today is the fruit of what you agree with yesterday. You see, if you agree with God's truth, then you become more like God. If you agree with untruth, then you become something other than what God has called you to be. When we agree with truth, heaven breaks out. But when we agree with untruth, fear breaks out. 
When we agree with truth, what did Jesus say? He said, he is the way, the truth, and the life. When we agree with truth, heaven breaks out. But when we agree with untruth, fear breaks out. We must choose to agree with truth. Well, what is truth, church? Truth is God's Word. The Bible is truth, amen? If you're here today and you don't read God's Word, then how can you know His truth? You see, I still have a quiet time with God, even though I preach this morning. Why? Because if I don't, I get feral. I get a bit crusty. I get a bit stale. I need to enjoy the Word of God for my life. Because the thing is this, is that God's Word is the one consistent in an inconsistent world. If you're writing notes, write that down. That's, that's, that's Twitter worthy. That's Facebook worthy. That's Instagram worthy right there. God's Word is the one consistent we have in an inconsistent world. Our emotions go like this. Life, if you've noticed, goes like this. You can have the best day of your life and the next day have the worst day of your life. Life goes like this. Our friends and family can go like this. Your job can go like this. The one thing we have, the one thing we have is the Word of God. And the Bible says that if we build our life on the rock, the Word of God, when the storms come, we will not be shaken. It says, don't be foolish and build your life on the sand. What's the sand, church? It's everything else apart from the Word of God. It's everything else apart from the Word of God. The Word of God is the one thing. You see, when you know who you are, you gain your confidence. We have to understand that we know the truth and we agree with His truth by knowing His Word and by knowing the revelation of who we are in Him. God's revelation is so powerful. The rhema word of God, which is when you read the Bible and it jumps out at you. Anyone encounter that? That's what the Bible's meant to do. You read it and it jumps out. That's why you highlight it. I mean, these days you've got your phone, so you can highlight it on your phone. And it's just like, that is awesome. This morning for me, it was God spoke out of the cloud to these heroes of the faith. God speak out of the cloud to me. It jumps out at me. I encourage you and exhort you to have people in your life who remind you of God's truth. Have people in your life that remind you of God's truth. Another way to say say that is this. Who do you know who knows who you're called to be in God? They are more valuable than gold. And they're actually quite rare to find. I've got people in my life and they know who I am. They know, and I make time for them. I'll get on the phone, I'll call them regularly, I'll go and see them. I, I, yeah, Charlie and I spent time with a couple down the coast when we're, we're on holidays and we try and stay away from church things when we're on holidays. But this, they were pastors and we love them. So we, had, we were having breakfast with them really and then I went to a whole day with them. And the reason why we've done that was because they remind us of who we're called to be. Why? Because the enemy's plan is always the same. Did God really say that over your life? Is God's word really 
real? Is it really powerful? Is your destiny really a reality? And he comes in and he whispers, and then we make mistakes. Who you are today is a fruit of who you agree with yesterday. I encourage you to be jealous over those who speak into your life. Not everyone has a right to speak into your life. I would say this, most don't. Just because someone has an opinion doesn't give them a right to speak into your life. Because you've got to understand something. Everybody has an opinion, but only few have wisdom. Wisdom with a big W, capital W. Wisdom being the Holy Spirit. You see, we can get everyone to give advice here today or out in the community and some advice would be really good. But is it God? You see, Eve actually had good intention. It says she saw that it looked good and she saw that it would give her wisdom. She had good intention. But you know that good intention doesn't always equal God intention? That is a good word. We live in a society where we think just because I feel this way makes it truth and it's not. Just because I'm on a platform on social media means I'm right. It's not, it doesn't mean you're right. You can be completely wrong. Just because someone says you're right doesn't make you right either. The only thing that makes you right is God's Word. It is, hey, listen, even I saying something to you doesn't make it right unless it's God's Word. Your parents saying something over you isn't right unless it's God's Word. Your teacher speaking over you isn't right unless it's God's Word. Your boss, your friends, your family, your counsellor, whoever it is, doesn't matter if it's not God's Word. Because God's Word is the one consistent in a completely inconsistent world. So let's be people who build our life on the rock. When you agree with the right things, when you agree with truth, you gain a godly confidence. I know what it's like to have my confidence robbed. I've gone through seasons in life where I've been attacked on all sides when I felt like giving up, when I felt like walking away from ministry on my call, I know what it's like. I've been hit so hard, it's taken me years to recover sometimes. But by the grace of God, He restores. But it's the Word of God which actually brings life and confidence back into our soul. Maybe this morning you've lost your confidence. Maybe you don't know what God's called you to do. Maybe you don't have a high self-value. The enemy has robbed you of your confidence. Today, God says it's time for you to gain back your confidence. Don't let untruths become agreeable in your life. Don't listen to the wrong counsel from culture. You know, we live in a world of culture. What's normal has always been defined by culture. You watch the news every night, the latest outrage by someone who said something and this and that, and everyone has an opinion, and it's all noise. The Word of God is all that matters. Yeah. Wrong counsel from authority, friends, teachers, bosses, parents. If it's not based on the Word of God, don't listen to it. Yeah. Wrong counsel from different things in our life we have to let go of and hold on to the truth of God's Word. Yeah. It says in Proverbs 4.23, Above all things, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I love this, and I say this to people all the time. Above all things, 
Guard your heart. Listen, your heart is more important than your closest relationship. You know, my heart is more important than Charlotte's heart. Whoa. Well, that's not very selfless. It's completely selfless because if I'm healthy, I can help her. If I love myself, I can love her. If I put her before myself, then what's going to happen is I'll start to become unhealthy. Above all things, guard your heart. And through that, you can then guard someone else's heart. Above all things, church, above all things. Don't let good intention get in the way of that. Your heart is so important. The well that you are is so important. Guard it. Guard it. It's more important than your spouse, more important than your parents, more important than your kids. Your heart is more important. I know I'm laboring the point, but please understand this. And if you actually don't understand that, then you're missing the revelation of that scripture. Because when your heart is good, everything flows out of a good place. When your heart is sick because you are trying to carry someone else's burden, your heart then becomes toxic. We're called to carry each other's burdens, but firstly, out of a healthy place. Is this okay this morning? Let's look at a few things that happened to Eve right now when she uh, listens to the enemy's plan or the enemy's thoughts. The first thing is this, is that when we listen to untruths, we forget our freedom and we embrace shame. When we listen to untruths and agree with them, we forget our freedom and we embrace shame. It says here that when they took the fruit, what was the first thing that happens? They go, whoa, I'm naked. Woo. I need some clothes. Get me some leaves. I need to start the first sewing club because I need to get the leaves happening. Shame enters the garden. When we agree with non-truth, shame enters your garden. Freedom dissipates and we start to embrace shame. I'm not good enough. I can't do that. I've disqualified from my past. I'm comparing myself with somebody else and therefore I'm not valuable. Insecurity creeps in because we are aware of our shame because we are listening to the wrong truth. Untruth. It says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, if you're writing notes, 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is... The Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what, church? There is freedom. Where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. God deals with our shame and throws it away. Anyone here, I mean, I won't get you to put your hand up, but maybe you've encountered shame. I've encountered shame. You make mistakes. And, you're, and you just think, oh, I feel so ashamed. Shame is crippling. It hangs over you like a cloud. It causes you to completely just freeze up. And shame, if not dealt with, will follow you around the rest of your life. Like a bad stench. We need to have a shower in the spirit and get rid of the BO called shame. Because some of us are carrying around spiritual body odour. And you're stinky. You walk into the church and you're stinky. 
And it's okay for someone who doesn't know Jesus to be stinky because we get to wash them with the blood of Jesus. But when a Christian walks in stinky, come on, you've got to deal with that stink. Shame is stinky. One day I should preach on stinkiness. It smelled good. The second thing is this, is that when we embrace untruth over God's truth, we choose isolation over intimacy. You see, Eve here, what did she do, church? What did she do? It says God came down to walk with her in the garden and instead of walking in intimacy, she hid. Hey, this is some good preaching. I love it says in Psalm 42, verse 1, it says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Can you resonate with that verse today? Because if you can't, if you're not like a, a deer panting for water, <coughs> hungry and thirsting for God, then what's happened is you've agreed with some untruths. Remember, you are the fruit today of what you agreed with yesterday. Eve chose isolation over intimacy. The third thing is this. When we embrace and agree with untruths, we run from our God calling and purpose. We run away from our God calling and purpose. It says Adam and Eve hid from God, from walking with God in the garden. Their job and their purpose was to have intimacy with God in the garden. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6 says this, For this reason I remind you, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Fan into flame the gift of God. Wednesday night we're going to be fanning into flame in the hearts of people. We're going to be praying for you, laying hands on you that God would just ignite something afresh. But when you agree with untruths, you actually start to run from your God call and purpose. This morning, can I ask you this question? And I know it's hot, but please just stay with me. Are you running towards your God purpose today? Are you even aware of your God purpose? Or are you running away from your God purpose? Maybe you've forgotten your God calling. Let God reignite that. Hey, the next thing is this, is that when we agree with untruths, we become victims instead of victors. We become victims instead of victors. What is a victim? And we all have a chance to be a victim. A victim is someone who says, I am in this hole and I blame this, this and this. We've got to break the spirit of victim. We live in a society of victims. What does the Bible say? Always come back to the Word of God. It says this. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If anyone's ever hurt you, you have an opportunity to either be a victim or a victor. And I can pretty much guarantee that anyone here today, if you're over the age of five, at some point in your life has been hurt by somebody. And by every right, naturally, you should be a victim because they hurt you and that should never have happened. 
But the gospel is a gospel of forgiveness. Forgiveness is scandalous. It makes no sense. It's undeserved. It's, it's crazy in terms of why do they deserve forgiveness when they hurt me, when they hurt my family? Well, that's the power of grace. Grace says, I forgive you even though you don't deserve it. Because why, church? Because God forgave us and we didn't deserve it. Never forget the grace you received. That while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. What do we see here with Adam and Eve? <laughs> we see that we see that God comes down and, and then Adam blames Eve, and then Eve blames the devil. He maybe she maybe do it, and then she says, He made me do it. You see, they became victims when really they should have said, God, we're sorry, we take responsibility, please forgive me. They failed the test. Sufferings are temporary, but victories are permanent. Ooh, let's let that drop. Let's let that drop. Sufferings are temporary, but victory is permanent. Sufferings are temporary, but victories every day in your life are part of who you are forever. Hurts are temporary, but victories become part of your DNA. <laughs> every time you overcome, it becomes part of who you are. Because what happens is when you're hurt and when something happens, it's a cut, but cuts heal. But victories stay with you. But what happens though is that sometimes we walk through life and we let wounds stay with us. And we let well-intentioned people keep pouring rubbish into our wounds. Yeah, your advice can come into my wound. Yeah, that person shouldn't have done that. Yeah, that's, that's true. No, we, I, I can't believe that happened. I can't. We, they don't deserve forgiveness. That's ridiculous. No, no. Listen to the person that says this. No matter how horrendous the situation was, forgive them. Even if you can't do it in, in, in your heart, start with your head, start with your confession. God, I forgive them. I don't feel it though, God. Keep saying that, God, I forgive them. God, I forgive them. God, I forgive them. One day you'll wake up and your spirit will be so free and the wound will be shut and you'll have scar tissue. The great thing about scar tissue is that it's tougher than normal skin, so it's safer now and it becomes a testament to what God has done. I tell you, there's a whole bunch of scar tissue here and it's people who have overcome. And there's a bunch of wounds here this morning and I encourage you to let forgiveness come and fill your wounds and let God come and bring the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Wounds aren't easy. Healing isn't easy. It takes time. A Band-Aid is not going to fix your wounds. Yes, miracles happen. Yes, it can happen straight away. But sometimes it takes years. But when it happens, oh my goodness, victories last a lifetime. Victory over that hurt. Eve blamed. Adam blamed. The last thing is this, and when it comes to looking at Adam and Eve, they lost confidence in their, in their effectiveness. And they lost confidence in who they were. And the rest of history follows their lead of doubting, of insecurity, of fear of idols, of all these bitterness, of mistakes, of suffering. Because two people at the beginning didn't know how to listen to who they were and what they carried. Instead, listen to the voice of untruth.
You see, when we don't know who we are, we doubt God, we doubt our God value, we doubt our grace and our purpose, we become motivated by fear instead of love, and we become ineffective in our God-given mission. Doubt God, we doubt our God value, we doubt our grace and purpose, we're motivated by fear instead of love, and we become ineffective in our God mission. Let me read you this, Romans 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Again, rather, the Spirit you receive brought, you out, uh, it brought about your adoption and sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Amen. Now, if we are children, then we are His heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Oh, it says here, when you know who you are, you are no longer a slave to fear. It's a bit hot up here. Why is it that we walk away enslaved to fear sometimes? I am a child of God. When I walk into the city, I walk in as a child of God. When I walk into my school, I walk in as a child of God. When I walk into my family, my situation, my circumstance, I don't walk in enslaved no longer to fear. Fear is a dirty, rotten, little, what's the worst thing I'm going to think of? Tick. Ticks are the worst. Good for nothing ticks. They suck the life out of you. They kill dogs. They kill people. I don't know if they kill people, but they just are annoying. Don't let a little tick determine the rest of your destiny. You imagine if you let a flea determine your destiny. I can't marry my wife because there's a flea on me. And it's saying in my ear, don't marry it. doesn't matter. Why do I use my wife? Because I know that's a God destiny. You imagine if I didn't turn up today because there was a little flea with a squeaky little voice. Not even that. Let's just break it down physically. There was a flea on me somewhere. There's a flea on me somewhere. I can't even, you can't see it. It's somewhere. It's, I can't do what I'm doing because it's a flea. I am no longer a slave to fear because I know who I am. I know what I bring because I am a child of God. And that says Abba Father, which means Daddy Father, not just some mystical, powerful God that I don't know from a distance, but He is Abba Daddy. He is daddy. He is my close dad. He holds me. He picks me up. He loves me when I'm unlovable. He looks after me when I don't deserve it. He sent his son for me when I couldn't get up off the ground in my sin. Abba Father, I am a co-heir with Christ. I put my shoulders back and my head high because I am a son of God. I know who I am and I know what I bring. There's too many people slouched over in life trying to figure out I can't do this and I can't do that and it's too hard and this person told me this and that. And God says, who have I called you to be? What have I called you to do? 
Oh man, I tell you what, why am I speaking with passion? It's not because you're in trouble. It's because I'm speaking to the spiritual realm. It's because I'm speaking to the city. It's because I'm speaking to the nation. This resonates because it's truth. And this morning, all I ask you to do, church, is agree with the truth of God's Word. Because if you agree with truth and let go of untruth, you will be set free in Jesus' name. I am no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. What a great song that is. Come into the landing of the plane as we finish. When we know who we are in God, it empowers us to live our God purpose. When we know who we are in God, and I mean, not just know it because the Sunday school teacher back when we were kids told us, and that was great. I love Sunday school teachers, by the way. Nothing against them. But I'm talking about a revelation that grows for the rest of your life. A revelation that hits your heart. You know, you can never arrive at knowing who you are in God until you get to heaven. You're always on this long, deeper and deeper and deeper. You never arrive because you keep going deeper. And it's the most glorious thing ever. Empowers us to live a God with God purpose because we know our authority. Authority comes by knowing who you are and what you bring. Authority comes by knowing who you are and what you bring. When we know God, it makes us extremely effective. If you want to be effective today, just know who He is. Daniel 11 verse 32b says, Those who know their God will be strong and do mighty exploits. When we know who God is and who we are in Him, it causes us to be fruitful from a place of rest. It causes you to be fruitful from a place of rest. No more striving. No more striving. If you're striving today, let it go. Striving is not kingdom. Faith is not striving. Faith is restful. Faith is knowing and being sure of. If I know something, I don't need to talk myself into it. That's really good. Let that revelation hit your heart. Are you striving today? You're agreeing with untruth. Agree with truth. Sons don't need to strive to be sons. A few weeks ago, last week, Charlie and I went and spent a couple of days with my parents and they sent their love. And my dad took me and Charlotte fishing. And we caught about 30 fish. I know. Now, I caught the most, obviously. Actually did. And Charlotte caught six fish. More than six fish. I don't know how many. She caught about eight fish. We go out and hang out with my, my dad in that fishing boat. And I tell you what, it was just one of the best days of his life. He texted us and said, that was, thank you so much for letting me do that. Because that's his love. That's his love for for me and for her to show her how to go and catch fish. But she's not in the boat going, oh, can, can you please be my dad? I'm not there going, 
Dad, can you please just be my dad? Please, like, if I'm good, if I'm good, can you take us out in the boat and can I call you dad today? Yeah? Let this rest in your spirit. Tomorrow, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm not good, am I not your son anymore? Because, But can I still call you dad? That sounds ridiculous, yeah? But we live like this sometimes. We forget that he is our abbot father and we think that our circumstance determines who we are in him I could have the worst day of my life I could go out and do whatever and be be full of shame for our family and my dad would still call me son and he would still take me fishing this is what our heavenly dad is like No more striving. Just rest. But be fruitful from a place of rest. When we know who we are in God, it fills our hearts with supernatural joy. It fills our hearts with supernatural joy. Some of us here today, you think, I haven't held joy for a long time. You forgot who you are in God. You've forgotten who your dad is. You've forgotten Romans chapter 8, where it talks about who you are in God. You are no longer a slave to fear, for you are a child of God. And when you realize you're a son or daughter of God, everything else is okay. I've got a couple of minutes left. You imagine if you walked into a room and you had your heavenly father walking next to you. I don't know how that would work physically. But you imagine if the world knew that and you were walking around with your heavenly father, by the way, you are, but just listen to my analogy, physically that was happening, you would never fear anything. If the creator of the universe was walking hand in hand with you everywhere you went, you would never, ever fear anything. You would never, ever worry. You know that worry is just another word for fear. Starting this year, one word God gave to me, was be anxious for nothing. That was it. Just that one line. And I just started quoting it. Whenever I got a bit stressed, be anxious for nothing. If you're a Seinfeld fan here, serenity now. Yeah, that's just for you, Marky. Be anxious for nothing. Why? Because there's no fear in God. There's no worry in God. I don't want to die from stress. A self-induced affliction it's not kingdom maybe we have to let go of some worry today and embrace truth again maybe if maybe agreeing with truth is all you need to be free maybe agreeing with truth is all you need to have supernatural joy maybe we have to reevaluate the voices in our life the situations in our life what we're around. I encourage you to New Year, reevaluate some of your friendships. Do it. Healthiest thing you'll do. Reevaluate some of the people. If you have to reevaluate, whatever's speaking into your life, reevaluate it. Is it causing you to be full of life? Let me finish with this verse Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, Let us then 
with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. How are you going with your godly confidence? Do you feel worthy today to step into God's presence? Is there shame that's stopping you? Is there a low self-esteem that's stopping you? Because if there is, all it means is that yesterday you agreed with untruth. And today you're agreeing, you are agreeing with untruth. I love the fact that the Bible gives us a challenge. One translation says, step into his throne room with confidence. What a crazy thought. Because I know my sin. <laughs> I know my struggles every day. And I still sin every day. I still have struggles. But he still says that you may receive grace, the throne of grace. Because we hide like Eve did away from God sometimes because we think he's going to be ashamed of our sin. But God says, draw near. When you feel like hiding away because you feel naked and ashamed, he says, draw near. Hey, next Sunday, this is just a prep for next Sunday, Vision Sunday. I've got a word I feel from God for our church for this year and I encourage you to be here, bring your friends, bring your family, make sure you're here early because God really wants to impart something. It's going to set the course for a whole year. But being people who know who we are and what we bring. Being people this morning with hearts that aren't full of guilt but hearts that are free. Who wants that this morning? It's a daily challenge, yeah? It's a daily challenge. It's a daily renewing of the mind through the Holy Spirit. Him helping us. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with hidden sin or addiction, this is the key. Knowing who you are and what you bring. Don't let sin hold you back. Get rid of all the hidden stuff. And don't hide away and say, God, I'm here, I'm broken. He says, broken? I can do broken. And he embraces us because his son was broken so that we may be whole. Who knows that's a message for our city? It's not just for our church. Bring your friends in. Let's share them. Share with them the goodness of God, the grace of our amazing Saviour. I am no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. Why don't you just close your eyes where you're at? I'm just going to get Nat to come up and Joey as well. This morning, if you're here and I don't know where you're at, I don't know what's going on, I don't know how this message has impacted your heart. But one thing I want to encourage you today is, with today, is that God knows where you're at and you are no longer a slave to fear, but you are a child of God. We're going to sing that in a second. We're going to declare it. But in this place, if you're just there and you're thinking, you know what, I, I just know that I'm not even near God. 
God is far from you right now. Maybe you've never given your heart to Christ or maybe your heart has just wandered from Christ. Today is a day to reconcile. Today is a day, just like Adam and Eve, God called them out of the garden and said, come on out, stop hiding away. Today is a day to receive that grace. So as everyone has their eyes closed, if you say, Benoit, I want to draw you to God again. I know that I need to come back. I want you to put your hand up where you are in this place. Awesome, I see your hand. Awesome, I see your hand there. Once it's up, you can pull it down. Anybody else, you just say, yes, Benoit, that's me. That's me. In Jesus' name. Fantastic. Anybody else? Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just encourage you, if you put your hand up, to pray this with me. And we're actually going to join with you in support, as an act of support. A prayer of commitment to God and coming to Christ and asking Him to help us and to be our Lord and Savior and to forgive us of our sin and shame. So let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. And today, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart, to come into my life, to forgive me of all my sin and take away my shame. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for caring for me. And Holy Spirit, come into my life help me walk with Jesus every day of my life. Amen. Let's give God a mighty hand of praise. Thank you, God. How many people here, just as a survey for me, gave your heart to Christ through an altar call? Just put your hand up where you are, hi. Yeah, wow probably 60 plus percent. Why do we do altar calls in church? So that people can respond to the gospel in a, in a, in a practical way. Never get familiar with it, church. If you put your hand up today and we would love to actually help you in your walk with God, make sure you come and speak to myself or Pastor Joel or Charlie or one of our team. I'll go up to the hello desk at the back there and we'll just love to support you in your walk with God. In Jesus' name. Why don't we stand to our feet, church? Has this morning been okay? I tell you what, I think we should finish by lifting our voice in declaration what we'll be speaking about. I'm no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. Thanks, Nat. What we're going to do is we're going to finish the meeting in a second. And, but we're going to just let that play. And if today you feel like something's stirring in your heart and you want some prayer, Come down. Our prayer team would love just to stand with you because I feel like for some of us, we need to let this revelation drop in our spirit again. I think we've forgotten that we don't actually, we think we know it, but we don't really know it. So we want to see the Holy Spirit just drop it in our spirit again. Charlie, come up here. I think you want to say. Yeah. That good's my wife, hey? Yeah. I know. longer a slave to fear, 
we just want to pray over you today. Just declare God's blessing over your life in Jesus' name. So why don't you, if you're here with your partner, why don't you hold their hand? If you're here single, why don't you just touch someone near you as well? Hold someone's hand you want to be with if you want. I don't know. It might be a bit creepy, but it's Valentine's Day this week, so who knows? Is it next week, is it? Next week. Okay. Well, close. All right. Yeah. All right, why don't we close our eyes? Father God, we just thank you so much for our amazing church family. We thank you, Father, that you're our daddy God, that you love us, that you are there for us. Father, today I just send out our church in the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus, that we would bring your love, bring your freedom, bring your peace, bring your power into the situations we encounter this week. We pray for open doors, for greater blessings, Lord, just for supernatural encounters. In Jesus' name, let revival resonate in this church. In Jesus' powerful name. And everyone said... Amen. God bless you, church. We're going to dismiss the meeting, but if you want prayer, please come down. We'd love to pray with you in Jesus' name. Have a great Sunday. Be blessed. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.